everyone was still like shaking hands and that. Chris came in and gave the elbow and we was like, Ooh, and he was like, I'm telling you, like, serious thing. Like, um, and we were like, nah, bullshit, be fine. It's like SAS who dares wins for, for Coke. Like that's that's what it is. Like, I bet I'd fucking be crying in the first week. <laughs> like, Chris, just leave me alone. I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can you imagine that? I'm minded the Red Bull. I don't even think Lee would be able to get on there with his performance from the start of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is, is pretty special. It's almost as good as, uh, I wrote it down, I detest social media. Yeah. <laughs> I just do. I just do. Will Elon Musk take over the world by putting microchips in our mind and coding us? <laughs> what about the question? <laughs> like, what, I mean, what's quick for about that? Right. Welcome back. It's uh, episode two of the Drunk with Brainwave, series two uh, of the 012 series, episode two. Um, what a fucking mouthful that is. Uh, but um, I'm delighted today to have someone I actually know a little bit um, on the on the pod. Uh, met him a few years back. Um, he was actually the last group dinner I had with anybody um, uh, with this uh, man, um, which I'm sure we can talk about. Uh I always um, uh, describe, whenever I talk about you, I always say that um, you're very, very smart. And then now I've got a bit of details on you, a lot of PhD off it. Um, so uh, without further ado, I'm going to introduce uh, the second guest on the A121 series, uh, Chris Mia from School of Code. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, that is interesting. Yeah, the last time we the last time we met was that group dinner, and I warned everyone. I said, <laughs> he did. "Yeah, everyone was like, it's going to blow over." And I said, "No, nah, I think it's going to be the long, long haul." And then, Chris, I'm not no, saying I, I told you right. so. I'm not saying I told yeah. you so. But, you know, uh, I told you. There's so. a funny story. Of this right? So we, um, it's what I tried to do was in Birmingham, just try and get a load of like. Um, sort of like founders and business business owners together i think we got about 11 and for this like first dinner and i set up a whatsapp group called um food for founders and we were just gonna ideally get together once a month and just chat shit try and help each other out all that i think i spoke to you about it actually ad um and then um, and then the first one we had was literally just as it was all kicking off and everyone was still like shaking hands and that chris came in and gave the elbow and we was like Ooh, and he was like i'm telling you like serious thing like um, and we were all like, nah, bullshit, be fine. And then like a week later. Fucking all over like, each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those were the days. Those were the days. Yeah. So you, it was you absolutely spread us in that restaurant, weren't you guys? Oh, yeah, it was awful. <laughs> yeah. But um, good good food, yeah. though. Um, so, look, as uh, as usual, guys, please um, leave a review um, and uh, and subscribe over on the YouTube channel. Um, as normal, I've got the old Ad Barry with us. Um Hello everyone, I just want to apologise for any um, interference in audio. Lee was ill-prepared today uh, and he's pretty much streaming this off his mobile phone. So if there is any tech issues, it's his fault. Yeah, I do have to admit that it's my fault. I've got a computer that won't do video calls anymore, so I'm, um, I'm sat with a little tripod on my phone. Um, it looks good though, I reckon the camera is actually better than my my laptop but um I, I think you could launch a new podcast lee called the tragic life of a ceo <laughs> i reckon that it's, it's I reckon it. it'd do, yeah i reckon it'd do pretty well who doesn't want to see people suffer <laughs> that voyeurism in everyone isn't it um uh so look chris i think let's start who the hell are you what do you do um and why did you do it there you go 
<laughs> no, nice big first question. Yeah, who am I? Well, yeah, as I started the School of Code um, a good couple of years ago now to try and get more and different types of people into tech. Um, why did I do it? I mean, so it started. I think I chose um, like maths and business or English lit at university or something like that, something equally useless. And uh, and then I saw artificial intelligence which uh, I just watched like iRobot with Will Smith. Uh, <laughs> and, and I love that. I actually love that film. And I uh, thought it was a little bit like Will Smith. So I thought, yeah, all right, I'll switch to artificial intelligence. And uh, that was it. Like that, that's, that's the first step I had into any sort of computers or code or never, never knew anything about it before then. And um, when, I, when I got there, there was uh, like 100 kids in the, in the, in the lecture hall sort of thing and, and most of them could already code you know in, in you know there was the stereotype of a, a coder there you know the, the biggest demographic was sort of like uh, dungeons and dragons players you know that that sort of vibe <laughs> and um but it, it, it and and there's typically typically that is the type of person that has traditionally come through and i think that's because education takes credit for people already being interested in this stuff so you know i i'd never apart from playing computer games i'd I'd never thought I'd never been bothered enough to think what's behind that computer game. How could I make another one? I just I just sort of you consumed technology. You have to already be interested to get the most out of that course. And so that's why there's this really thin funnel. It's not necessarily like they're excluding people. But, you know, if you, if you haven't already got into it, you're going to struggle on the course. And that's what I saw with a lot of my mates who hadn't had a previous background or been doing it since they were six years old or whatever. They, they struggled on the course because it's not necessarily built. Um, for for anyone but the, the traditional like you've you've been coding your mum or dad bought you a ZX Spectrum when you were six years old that's the story you always hear in tech um, and there was you know lack of different types of stories um, lack of diversity which is seen across tech um, so I think I had more sisters than there were probably girls on my course um, out, of, out of 100 people so I've got four sisters um, and uh, so yeah it was a, it was a little bit um, like how did how how do people get into this so young? And and for me, when you see all the opportunities in tech, how, how for me the moral ob- objective is how do you get more types of people into that opportunity space? Because it's just a different level of, you know, most people grow up thinking, oh, I'll do what my mum or dad did, or you know, get told to be a lawyer or a doctor, or you know, go work in the factory or you know, whatever. Um, Technology is just a different playing field there's just so many more opportunities you can build a solution scale it overnight to millions of people with you know a basic set of knowledge and uh, and an idea so yeah for me it was like a moral imperative to try and help people get into those opportunities but also you've got this sort of rise in automation where jobs are going to be disappearing industry is going to be you know turned upside down we've sort of seen the acceleration of that with covid but this this was already happening there's this cliff edge of automation coming so for me it was okay. Well, we need to get people into this space. Not only is it the the way the world is going, but also they're going to be left behind otherwise. So um, that's it. I, I sort of stayed there for bachelor's, master's, PhD, um, and really loved artificial intelligence. But uh, yeah, wanted to, wanted to help people get into it, and so started the school of code. Um, actually, by uh, going into schools and teaching kids because that was fun. Really liked doing that. Um, ran a homeless coding class uh, to try and help people get the skills to build websites for local businesses, and then um, just turned it into what it is now, which is a free coding bootcamp 
takes people from absolute scratch all the way through to professional developer and then helps them into jobs because that's what I wanted to do, create that impact and really show, well, you know, how many different types of people can we take through? You know, everyone always says we want more diversity and different types of people, but nobody was really testing it. They, they weren't trying it. They were just getting the same types of stories. If people look different or, or from different areas, if, if the stories are the same and they've been coding since they were six years old or come through the same old, you know, university route, for me, you're not really opening up the, the barriers for people. So that's what the School of Code is. Um, and been running that for the last couple of years now. And we're, we're making a big difference in, in people's lives. Hopefully it's uh, helped quite a few people and we're, we're trying to help many more. Super interesting. And one, one thing you said there, it's uh, the education piece. Because if you'd have said the word code to me six and a half years ago, prior to us trying to build a recruitment app that we never built, um but um I'd, I'd have just been like what 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 does code what is code so just take it back to like the bare basics of like for people that are listening it might be like i don't really know what code is and if i did what job would i go into if i did understand code yeah i, I mean it's most people don't pay attention to it because you sort of see i don't know the matrix and loads of ones and zeros and you just think it's like this you've got to be this math genius to even start trying to understand this stuff and it definitely helps to have a mathematical background and all of that sort of stuff. But code is essentially just telling computers a set of instructions that you want them to execute. It's just the language we talk to computers in. So whatever, if there's anything digital going on anywhere, code is behind it because you need to translate your instructions like, I want to see this happen. Okay, well, the computer doesn't understand you. You need to say that in code. And that, that's essentially what it is, especially, um, you know, now we're, you know, years and years beyond what it used to be, which was sort of like ones and zeros and punching holes in punch cards and, you know, really uh, tedious um, mechanical coding that took years to build anything complex up. Um, now we're at this higher level of abstraction, like all of that work has come before us. And it's sort of like science in a way. The thing, the thing I love about code is it's like science in that you're building on the work of everyone that came before you. So, you know, you're very rarely the first person to ever, you know, solve, try and solve the problem that you've got. So today code is quite high level in, in many ways. You can just pick a couple of solutions that exist or a couple of functions and, and tie them together um, rather than starting thinking about, well, how does, you know, the, how many bytes and bits and, and where does this go into the computer? Where's the memory stored? And you, you don't, re you rarely have to think about that now. It's a much higher level, more creative problem solving. And then you've got like the art, which is, um, you know, the creativity. So it's if I if I had any artistic um, ability, I'd love it because, you know, you give me a blank canvas and I could paint on it and and you'd both be like, oh, wow, that looks great. And I could evoke some emotions in, in you if I wanted, but um, it wouldn't be useful. I'm sorry to, to say that about art, but, you know, it's, it's more, you know, it's, it's evoking that emotion. It's, but actually computing, computing allows us to do that. So anything's possible, but in a computer, it's not just this 2D canvas. It's like whatever you can imagine creating. And not only can you create it, but then you can also, it's useful. You know, you can create the application, you can get it into the hands of people overnight, stick it on the app store and you can have millions of downloads. So it's just a, the, the the beauty of code is it's just limitless possibilities and so, so that's why there is room for everyone in tech um which yeah is is what we're all about at school of code yeah that's exactly what i wanted that was like a sales pitch i, I kind of want to get into code it was, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah 
Well, um, I don't well, factor any of it, but still, you know, there you yeah. go. <laughs> so give us give us an idea then, right, of, of like what some of the sort of craziest backgrounds you've had people come from and then like into the into the boot camp and then go and work wherever like what give us some like yeah yeah well so this really it started as a social experiment because we wanted to see like what well can you take anyone and if so how far can you get them and so it, it was really like open to anyone the, fir the first one was a complete uh, just an experiment you know and that's what we call it so uh, we had like 300 applications whole range of backgrounds like 18 to 60 age range um 50 50 gender split um demographics match in birmingham which is pretty diverse as a city um but the the backgrounds also were just uh amazing like you had a probation court officer you had unemployed people refugees phds in chemistry um you know, musicians and artists and just just absolutely anyone you can think of. Return to work parents, school leavers, teachers, graduates, just everyone. And that, that's what it, that's the magic of the School of Code for me is bringing all those different types of people together. People say a lot about, talk a lot about diversity. And the, the benefit for me is it's really, it's really hard to work with different types of people. Like it's hard to work with people not like you. Um, and that's why school, so like nobody gets soft skills at school traditionally because you, you're all the same age. You're all from the same sort of area. Your parents probably do similar jobs. You, you know, you're talking about the same sort of thing. So it's just easy to get on with people. And then you, you get out into the real world where somebody's like from different generations and different backgrounds and different socioeconomic and 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 so it is and, and different personality types. And so it is a, a skill to learn how to get the most of a team of all these different types of people. But if you can. You get all the diversity of thought. You get different creativity. You get different skill sets, um, and so that's the really important part for me. Bringing all those different types of people together, it, it cements the soft skills, but also sets them up to to learn how to get the most out of you know any team. You know, it doesn't matter who's in it. And um, yeah, so the the list of backgrounds from the first one has, has just continued. What have we had since? Like sheep shearers, barbers. <laughs> um, yeah just any anything <laughs> anything you can think of really and um because we don't test we don't have any prerequisites so you don't have to have seen a line of code before you start um it just opens up that barrier for people because ev everyone knows technology is important like everyone's got a phone in their pockets everyone thinks facebook's listening to them and they get advertised you know something that they were talking about and you know everyone understands the power of you know what technology does but nobody really sees a route in for them if they think they have to go to uni for four years. Most people can't be bothered with that after the age of 18. Um, and if your life has to be set out from the choices you make before you're 18, then most people are screwed, um, unfortunately. Like, I, I, I definitely wouldn't have uh, <laughs> wanted that. You know, you, you want a chance to, like, actually understand and hear about things later on in life and transition into different <coughs> careers because things change. And so that's what we're trying to do, have that really intensive boot camp model where anyone can come in and we transition them to that career in a really fun team-based engaging but really intensive uh, really difficult course but in the end the reward is a, a career in a new um a new industry which is uh, tech yeah yeah i think it's incredible it's um it's such an amazing thing to be able to do um but it, uh, it's one of those things isn't it that you kind of find un like unbelievable uh in the sense that someone can do that transition because when i think of of code 
and coding and engineering stuff, I'm like, oh wow, I couldn't even um, couldn't even consider. I wouldn't, my brain wouldn't be able to work in in that way. So it's interesting when you say about the different personalities and different skill sets you need in order for that team to be able to like build mm-hmm. build something that that makes sense. Do you? Because um, I, I jumped onto one of your um, recent like um, what do you call the days? Like it was like a pitch day, wasn't it? Yeah, demo days from the demo goal. days, and. Uh, yeah, there was like I think one of I jumped on for like twenty minutes, and there was one of the guys was a lifeguard, and he and he was like coding, and the, and it's really in depth, you know, the detail that they were going into in this pitch, and I was like, shit, this is actually like, I mean, you know, I didn't think Chris was lying, but this shit actually works. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, which I, I think is amazing. Um, so wh- where where have people gone and got jobs? Yeah, so. Um- the whole point of the course for me was about getting jobs. So there were, I never gave any certificates or we never, you know, it wasn't about like patting you on the back and then saying, see you later. Good luck. It was about getting them into jobs. So we've worked with some really good employer partners. Um, so the Economist have hired quite a few people, Santander, Bravissimo. Um, so bigger companies all the way through to like scale ups, like Vox Pop Me. Um, some people are working at Gymshark. Um, you've got um, startups which are hiring the first one or two people like Loop Testware. Um, so really big mix of places and, and people um, choose what's right for them. I think it's super interesting. It's almost like um, there's a whole generation of people that just never got the opportunity to to even look at doing this. And it was only mm-hmm. the people like going back to what you said there, like the people who were sat in the mom's basements when we were kids doing it at that point. Um that probably progressed into this career. So you, I bet you get different walks of life, um, just a complete different set of people. And it's something now that's like completely new to them. Yeah, 100%. And, and now um, everyone knows it's important now. I mean, people have known it's important. I think it's still a bit of a niche for, for people, but it's it's coming to the mainstream education. You know, kids are learning it at school. It's on the radar. And, uh, you know, there's always been a lack of numbers, a lack of diversity, traditionally a lack of soft skills as well coming out of universities and, and, and similar. So um, that's why we really focus it on real world tech skills. So we, we run it like an agile tech team, like a high performance modern tech team. You come in, you're stuck in a, a team of four. We randomize those teams every week or two weeks. Um, and you are just, we run it like a company and you the, the projects that we're working on is learning how to code. So when they finish, um, it's it's just second nature to go into a company and deliver value because they've been doing that in different you know teams of different people and under real pressure like we're taking people from nothing like never having seen a lot of code to delivering as as Lee saw on demo day sort of delivering full scale application solutions to real business problems so it is amazing the the journey it's really hard like we always warn people it's not it's not a course it's not like coming to college or university it's 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 like sas who dares wins for for code like that's that's what it is like you will you will be crying at point like it, it it's really intense to to get people to the level where we need them to be but that we managed to do it and uh, that's all through their hard work and dedication those, those are the only things we test for really motivation like is does this mean something to people are they going to stick it out have they got the motivation to do it and I used to call this like, are they nice people? But actually we say humility now. Like, so can they work in a team? Can they be coached? Do that? Can they put somebody above themselves? That, that's what we test for on the way in really. And it, and it works like, you know, we've, we've had uh, most of the, before COVID, most courses were like 90, 95% employment. 
Um, and that em that employment would double people's earnings on day one. So the average earnings before the course would be doubled on day one of the new careers. But in, in tech, your, your salary, it's just where, you know, if you keep getting better, your salary is, is so, so different to any other industry. Because one programmer, if I'm, a, if I'm the top salesperson, <clears throat> I can sell like, let's say I can sell 10 things. Um, a, a week or a hundred a month or whatever, but there, there's a there's a limit to how I can scale myself. Um, with a programmer, one programmer can affect millions of users. So there's a detachment of value. You know how we valued employees in the past in in traditional industries doesn't make sense in the same way for for tech because people have just got so much more influence with the skills that they've got, and you can do so much more with so much less. You can automate things, you can revolutionize experiences. So um, yeah, the, the sort of sky's the limit for what you want to earn and what the opportunities that you want to get off in tech. I might, might have to go there myself, Lee. I know, I, know. I was just thinking that. But you know, what was uh, genuinely what I was just thinking, mm. I was thinking, I wonder whether I could do that. I always think this when I talk to you, Chris, I always think, yeah, like when it, oh, this is all said and done, what am I going to do? I've always had an interest in like tech and, and coding and stuff. I would love to be able to build something like this. And then and then when you say like it's SAS for, for coding, I'm like, I bet I'd fucking be crying in the first week. <laughs> be like, Chris, just leave me alone. I don't want to do it anymore. If you, if you speak to the people, because we've had, uh, I think, upwards of 100 people through the course now, and um, we're, we're hoping to double that at least this year, really. So um, if you speak to those people, they'll they have just such amazing stories, not only of the life they had before, you know, like whatever they would do, you know, driving, driving, you know, lorries for a living and then going into tech or, you know, whatever that um, transition is, chefs, just any type of background you can think of, it's crazy. But, um, yeah, the course itself is also just a massive experience and it's it's a life-changing one for them. So, and that's what we want it to be. We want it to be this transformational course. I love it. How how do you will to do you, you said you had 2,000 applications, yeah, for the last cohort. How the hell, yeah. based on the fact that you know, probably 1500 of those people would be would make it through you know mm -hmm. or let's say a thousand yeah say half of them are going to make it through it's going to change their life you know yeah. double, double their salary make them feel more fulfilled the whole lot how the hell would you put it down to 24 or 48 what, what's the process well so i, I it, the process it, we the reason we get so many is because we just want to remove those barriers so it's free no prerequisites but it doesn't mean it's it's right for everyone. So the way that we teach is fully intense right now. So we're going to, you know, test those flexible working arrangements as well. But um, it's really tough and you have to learn really quickly. Like we get through a lot, like it, just everything you can think about um, doing to, to solve problems with the web, we teach. So it's only it's only going to suit people that are up for that challenge, really. Um, so that's how we would lit down motivation, humility, can they, learning quickly are they are they able to learn quickly have they are they in that mind space that they can do that um but you know we started with like 300 applications which was a lot but scaling to like 2000 for the last one we we're starting to see you know at a certain stage it's just like a coin flip unfortunately so what we're doing is um putting a few community classes in so instead of just applying to the course what you'll do is come to a couple of classes um, that are just open and see see if you like it, learn a bit of stuff, add some value, and then sort of graduate onto the bootcamp after that. Because we're just seeing way too many people. And like you said, we can only take 24 or 48 at the time. 
So there's a there's you know another 1,952 people that that didn't get on the course. What can we do for them? So those community classes um, are what helps. It's interesting. When when did you um, start it, Chris? When was it? How many years ago? Uh, like 2015, I think. 2015. So, yeah, yeah so. it started, it probably started the boot camps properly. As I said, a couple of things we did before then um, made a made a coding platform for kids, which had like 150,000 kids coding on it which was pretty cool um and then probably started the boot camps about three or four years ago yeah Yeah, one thing you mentioned oh go on lee Uh, it's not really cash that wasn't it we had a lot of hundred fifty thousand kids using it and then yeah (laughs) it's it's still up now we use it we use it as part of our application process actually like if you've ever seen my little avatar yeah because all my pictures yeah so that that's what you make on our platform with code you just it teaches you how to code while you make one of those characters um so it's just quite fun yeah one thing you uh, you, you can you can test it out yourselves. I'll look forward to your characters. Oh, yeah, can yeah. you imagine that? I minded the red book. I don't even think Lee would be able to get on there with his performance from the start of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but one thing you did mention was um, demand, and and one thing we were talking about last week was sort of like a lot of businesses moving to the Midlands and moving to Birmingham mm. over the last sort of like five years. Have you seen did it? Did it have you seen the demand increase? for coders yeah so i mean the demand for programmers it has never been satisfied and it's only been getting wider since i've since i've known about tech um it's just constantly been increasing so if you're ready to take advantage there's like li- there there are more and more opportunities all the time covid's affected it as it has with everything but tech is really going to be the engine of recovery for the whole the whole economy you know that's how that's how people are going to get ahead and we've seen that anyway so yeah, there's tons of opportunities um, more and more all the time. And, and that's w- what we're always looking to find, the right opportunities, like good companies that will support people's learning. And uh, just a, a, there's so many different, you know, things in tech. There's uh, people making, you know, the next Facebook or the next Google all the way through to like new apps that you've never even thought of, like, uh, you know, uh, a locker for for after you pass away, it can it can have all your memories for your loved ones to be shared and, and speak in your voice and things like that. So there's loads of loads of cool applications that you've never even thought of. And that's what I mean. Like there's there's just space for everyone in tech. If you've got if you've got something you're passionate about, you can you can apply it to technology. It's, there's no I don't know a lot of the idea of that locker thing. I don't I don't want to take us down as <laughs> yeah all there, but yeah, there's there's loads of opportunity. Whatever whatever you think is a good idea, you could you could do, and that's part of getting different types of people in. Um, what we've seen with stuff like Facebook and the way it's been built, like I I I know this is probably not the podcast to say it. I detest social media. Like I absolutely hate it. Um, I. I it's nothing to do. Somebody else has always had to deal with that in the company because I, I just don't get it. I've never got it. It's it's nothing to do with me. But a lot of the problems with it are because you didn't have different types of people in that room when they were coming up with these ideas like a like button, you know, th- thinking about what the psychological aspects of that would be. Um, you just had people that were young, like nerdy and being like, yeah, let's make new features. Let's stick them in. Um, so what you'll find as we get more people into tech, you'll find better products coming out that better suit the needs of the market, better better help people along their journeys with whatever problems they've got. So it's really important to try and help bring different people in, really, for that reason. What? Um, why? Why? Why Birmingham? Like, why not do it somewhere else? Uh, I mean, the short answer is just because I, I was here, like it's where I was born, and 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's it, just to help the people. Um, you know, but Birmingham is typical of a lot of cities and a, a lot of regions in the UK where, where you know, really technology, sh you should be able to run a technology hub anywhere um, because all you need is a, an internet connection, laptops that work, which is obviously a problem for some people, Lee, but, you know, laptops that work. And, um, and then you need talent, you need tech talent. And so it's only that, you know, the first two, I mean, the government probably won't thank me for saying, but they're, they're solved problems, aren't they? Like we know, we know we can, you know, get internet connections to places and we know we can get to computers to places. So the, the barrier there is talent. And that's what I saw for Birmingham. Yeah, you've got all these industries that are going to be disrupted and dying and people's jobs are going to be automated away. Um, how can we, you know, create that tech talent pool? That means companies will come here because that's what the, that's the only barrier for their growth is tech talent. Like everything else is accessible and democratized, but the talent um, is is where companies are going to come. Now in the COVID era, it's even more. You know, you can, you can be completely remote, so you can find those talent pools. Um, but I think it's still going to be important for for the region, especially and and the UK, to try and get as many talented people into tech as as possible. Yeah, I, I uh, do. You think Brom can be the, the coding capital? Do you think that you think that's possible? Do you think we can create a proper hub? I, I think the, the the barrier is going to be um, density of talent. So if we can get enough, because we've got the young, we've got a young population, diverse population, and loads of different industries built here. So we've got all that domain knowledge and expertise. I think it's always always coming up as the most entrepreneurial city. Um, yeah. It, I mean, you can take or leave those lists, but, you know, we're there or thereabouts. Um, so all of that is just a, it should be the catalyst for like a thriving tech hub. Um, but the barrier is talent. So I think if we can, you know, help more people transition into this industry, give them better opportunities, better jobs, you know, high value opportunities, then, then yeah, we, there's no reason we can't. But we just got to play to our strengths and, uh, yeah, try and try and justify businesses coming here for the talent. One of the uh, one of the other questions, probably one of the last ones. Maybe we've got time for a few more. But uh, was um, you mentioned earlier? You got four sisters. Yeah. Um. Uh, it, uh, you've got a few more. Seven, six. Siblings, yeah, I'm, seven. I'm one of se I'm one of seven. Yeah. So one two, of seven. Two brothers, four sisters. Is that right? Yeah. And so. by all accounts, they're all you're all quite entrepreneurial. Yeah, well, we just got a big mixed uh, family. Um, so I'm mixed race as well. So we we go ginger dark, ginger dark, ginger dark, ginger in my family, and um, <laughs> the uh, the the types of people like everyone's pretty brash and loud, and you know we you know debate and all of that sort of stuff. But yeah, like I'm entrepreneurial. Most people comes from my mom and dad, um, sort of, and the and the way that we were brought up. But yeah, my my sisters run their own companies. Um, one of my sisters helps me. Um, my other sister's just in and out of loads of different things, my brothers. Um, well, the men in my family are more chilled out, to be fair. But, uh, yeah, my uh, my brother's always starting. One of them does websites and apps and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're all pretty different in different ways, but um, entrepreneurial in, in terms of, like, just hustle and get up and go and problem solving. Yeah, everyone, everyone's got that. So it's pretty loud pretty loud house where everyone thinks they're right that's what you get with a house <laughs> so, yeah whereabouts in birmingham are you, you from chris um all over actually I've, I've probably lived uh 
in every area of, <laughs> of Birmingham uh, when I was growing up. So I've just recently moved out. Uh, before um, before COVID hit, my, um, my wife works in London, so we sort of moved midway between so I could commute to Birmingham, she could commute to London. Obviously, what a wise decision that was. Absolutely uh, really worth the, the life choice there. But um, yeah, um, lived everywhere, like what's... All, all areas. I don't think there's an area I haven't, <laughs> haven't lived in. Harborn, Celio, um, Erdington, Wild Green, something Coldfield, Warmley. Um, got family in like King Standing, Castle Vale, and then um, Litchfield and uh, Tamworth recently. And yeah, just everywhere. And uh, yeah, so been all over Birmingham. What's the. Uh... I think final question before we jump into some fun, uh, some uh, some quick fire ones. Um, what's the plan for School of Code? Like, what's the what's the vision? Where do you want it? You want it in multiple cities? Do you want to just grow way more cohort in Birmingham? Like, what's the? I think yeah. I mean, the driver the driver for me is um, as I, as I, said, I can't see past that cliff edge of automation for people. Like, I'm I'm a massive pessimist, so <laughs> I I just you know in in that way jobs. They're going to disappear, and we just need to be preparing people for it. So for me, it's how can just how can we get the most amount of people on the right track for for that transition? So that would be yeah, expanding in Birmingham, getting more people through it. So we've got hopefully a load of cohorts planned for the West Midlands, but also yeah, different different areas of the country as well. It's not a problem unique to Birmingham that industries are going to be shifting, and we need more tech hubs and tech companies and tech talent. So uh, yeah, trying to help as many people as we can, really. Love it. Good, um, good ethos that is, isn't it? It like is. Yeah, it's solve, almost trying to solve sort of, future generations. I mean, that is is pretty special. It's almost as good as uh, I wrote it down. I detest social media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just do. I just do. That's uh, that's going to be on an image, and Jamie's going to use that on LinkedIn as a hook to get people to listen to the podcast. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be baity, that is, isn't it? Yeah. I, can, I can tell you why. If you want, you, you can just leave it as a as a thing. But yeah, all we could do. Do you want to do that? Because you two probably love social media. Right? I think it's a separate podcast. That you know, because I think from what you said there, in terms of like how things are made and the psychological effect, I completely get it. You know, I think we've watched enough um, sort of like documentaries and and stuff and things that have come out and read enough articles on it. Uh, but yeah, I will always one hundred percent stick up for the, the social I think, media. I think, I think you're right. I think you're right. I, I'm probably the, I'm probably one of the only people that probably think this way, to be fair, which probably means I'm wrong. But um it's it's more fundamental than that. Like it's not it's not the features or or whatever. Um firstly it's like the world's toilet wall. So like we keep we keep judging society by what's written on social media. And it's like you well you wouldn't judge society by, by what somebody sitting in a bin shouts at you when you walk past them in the street. Like you'd just be like oh I'll just ignore whatever that said. So it just encourages that sort of like, <laughs> it's just, just whatever you'd write on the toilet wall is, is what's written on social media. But the other, the, the more fundamental thing for me is, I mean, and this is tenuous, but we were, we were supposed to be in tribes of like, let's say 300 people and known by 300 people. Like that's evolutionarily where we're supposed to be. And I've always thought that's why child actors go off the rails because they're just not supposed to have like everyone knowing them and all that fame and like it just messes with your mind and fundamentally like in people's heads 
when you're on social media, you think you have the reach of many more people than know you. Like that just plays on your mind. So I see, I've seen mates of mine for years, like something happens and it's almost like they're writing a press release to, to announce <laughs> it. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, you know, they, th- they feel like, even though they're not David Beckham, they're like, yeah, but I'm on the same platform. You know, it used to be like you had to be on TV to be heard. And so it was inaccessible for everyone, right? Like you might be on the news for 10 minutes and like that would be, but now you're on the same platform that, David Beckham's on and, you know, Lady Gaga. I mean, my, my celebrity references are like 10 years old, which <laughs> probably shows you what, what is going on. But, you know, you're on that platform. So in your head, you're like, I've got the same reach as these people. Like, oh, God, like, what what, what if I put this out? Oh, no, I'll have to. T-. And so it's just, that's just playing on people's minds naturally for mm. forever. Like, as soon as, for me, that's unhealthy. So I just... I just do what I'm told on social media. Lizzie, who runs our social media, tells me to like stuff, and I like it, and that, that's it. Yeah, I think I think uh, yeah, I definitely think we should have another another podcast, Lee, about this, where we should invite guests on and argue about. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I love a podcast media. where you argue. That's all I do. They argue about stuff I know nothing about. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm here. For. <laughs> um, I'm well up for doing a separate podcast on it. We should uh, definitely line that up. Um, embarrassingly and to add to the 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 faux pas of the whole episode from my point of view um the uh the battery on my laptop has gone so the quick five questions are now a black screen so i'm relying on adam barry to do the final wrap-up of the, of the quick five questions i think that to be honest is quite apt of, of my ability today to uh um, to have good tech it has it's uh, it's summed it up hasn't it um how tragic you really are I hide it. Right. Let's get into it then. Uh, quick five questions. Favourite place to eat in Birmingham? Oh, favourite place to eat in Birmingham. There's, there's a really, hmm, that's that's hard. I, I'd say there's a there's a Greek deli right by New Street, which is ace. Really, really nice on uh, on the hill just from New New Street. I always forget what it's called, but. Uh, it's like 1492, I think it's called, but it's really nice going there, get the wrap, chips and chicken slavlaki and a wrap. Lovely. Um, other than that, I mean, pretty much any fish and chip shop, to be fair, is pretty good in, in Birmingham as a, as a standard. Um, but yeah, that, that Greek place is lovely. Yeah. yeah, it's great. We had Leah on last week and she she couldn't give an answer and she's at, at pretty much every restaurant in Birmingham. <laughs> yeah. and I think it just shows like, you know how plentiful Birmingham is for food. Over the last few years as well, I think it's properly ramped up in in uh, quality totally. and, and choice. Like it, I don't think it would have been there a couple of years ago. Um, but like over the last like, sort of five, ten years, I think it's really ramped up properly. I so, think yeah, I know which one you mean. It's by, um, by York's. You know, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. I'm not going in, yeah, but yeah. I've seen it. It's a tiny little shop front, like. If I, if I ever eat at the office, I always just order from there. It's, yeah, it's nice. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is a good one. You'll like this one, Chris. Uh, will Elon Musk take over the world by putting microchips in our mind and coding us? <laughs> what about <laughs> what, I mean, What's quick for about that? I know. I, I, I haven't got an answer that doesn't ramp for 10 minutes. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it. It's not going to control people's minds, but if you think about what that is, so that's about like outs. The idea of that is outsourcing the memory, basically, which is what we do already to the internet. Like, you know, it, and and people get scared of this point. But if I asked you, if I had a calculator and you didn't, and we had a maths quiz, right? You'd rate me highly in winning that, wouldn't you? 
like you, you wouldn't back yourself against a calculator to do like numerical um, arithmetic. But for some reason, like we then struggle to see that in other ways. And, and, you know, Google, we've basically outsourced our memory to Google already. Like we don't need to remember facts anymore. You just Google them. Like it's not the same, you know, school doesn't need to be the same as like, oh, when was the Battle of Hastings? I'll just Google it. Like what a pointless piece of knowledge to have. So um, <laughs> I think uh, I think that's really what's going to happen. Um, because humans are just, we are, we are tool using animals. Like it's really weird if you, I, I didn't think about about like this, uh, I don't think about like this all the time, but if you use a broom, right, um, it feels like an extension of your arm. Like you can judge where that broom's gonna go and you can sweep towards you. Like if you've ever seen another animal try and use a tool, it's pretty hard for them to fathom. Like it, it doesn't feel like an extension of them. And if you notice, we do the same with our phone as well. Like if you lose your phone, you feel like part of you is missing. You're like, oh, that, you know, I, I use that so much. Like, you know, that tool is part of me. And that, that's just the next phase of that. It's the integration of that tool within our biology. So I think it's only a matter of time, really. But it won't be about and, controlling us. And do you think it's a good thing? Very quickly. Uh, yeah, I don't see why not, as long as, it's, it, as, Chris, long as it works. Hold on, hold on. Chris seems pretty sound about it. He's just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm all right about it. As, yeah, as long that, as it works, yeah. I mean, we're years away from it working. Uh, the neuroscience Chris, behind it is is different, but yeah. Chris is like, Chris is just bothered about. It. He's like, if it's bad tech, I don't want it. But if it's going <laughs> to yeah, work, yeah, then yeah, if it works, work. exactly. Um, yeah. The thing uh, that, that that comes from the same man who detests social media. He wants exactly. people to be coded. Yeah. I think yeah. there's another podcast here with, with this debate. Well, on it's it's, right. it's um, about that. That's about accentuating your abilities. Yeah. It's, so for me, for me, that's, that's the next evolution. Yeah. I'm, I'm for it. Uh, favorite movie about coding? <sighs> you know, I, haven't, I haven't really got one. Yeah, I don't really. I, I mean, there was what, what was there? There was Swordfish had a coder in, but I didn't. Really, I didn't rate that much <laughs> as a movie. Had Halle Berry, in, uh, and uh, I tell you what is good. Silicon Valley is a TV series. Belter. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to see what it is to be in a tech startup, it's just a comedy series which just sums up tech startups perfectly so i'd probably say that uh if you could have any other profession what would it be um i mean i've i've got none of the talent to do it so are we saying if i i don't have yeah. to okay just any. okay I, i'd probably say footballer or um football manager one of those two yeah. just, you just um just tap elon musk up he'll sort it out for you mate and then have the ability there you go. Yeah, I'll just download that module. Perfect. Like <laughs> Matrix. It's great. Yeah, that's insane. I like, I like the sound of that. Um, and then last one, I think um, Lee's put this one in because he's looking, probably looking for something to invest into. But uh, name us one new and exciting business that you would invest in and what could it be? Uh, like a new business we could invest yeah, in today, like create today. Um, I would, I mean, it would be a long time until we got the returns. But I would be investing in general AI to try and um, see, could we create artificial intelligence that could think in the same way that humans do, uh, solve problems generically? Um, that's what I would be investing in. Yeah. There's our robot again. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's it. All done. Um, nice. Listen, I've really, really enjoyed this and I really want to carry on the conversation in, in another um, in another episode. I think we should. I think we should try and line something up that um, covers uh, 
AI and social and, and that debate. I think it's uh, it'd be wicked. Look, I think what you're doing at School of Code is amazing, and I genuinely uh, take my hat off to you. I, I think it's um, an incredible thing to be able to give people that opportunity that won't have it anywhere else. Let's face it. You know, I think people can pay for things like that, but who can afford to, you know, to do that and take that risk? And I think what you're offering people is is real long term change in their life, and I, I think it's amazing. Um, and uh, I, I totally want to get involved in it in in terms of electric house as well. We need to um, we need to be employing some of these these people that you're um, putting through the school of code. It's a definite gap in our business, and and um, we're in Birmingham. You know, we want to give back to the city. It's like a it's a win win for everyone. That's it, and and that's what it is. It's it's that platform that you know what we're trying to do is add value. And if, if that's our focus, then everyone should benefit. So perfect. So yeah, that and that's we've got forty eight people that have just graduated um the last boot camp, aligning them with jobs. So yeah, you any any employers that want to get involved, yeah, just get in touch because um people hungry to to make a difference in businesses and that's what you want. You want to hire those, you know, those people who've given up four months of their lives, they haven't fell into it, you know, they've made a conscious choice, dedicated, passionate, like that that's who you want to hire in your business. Um so yeah, perfect. I love it. Um, as always, guys, um, please uh, leave a review if you've uh, enjoyed uh, the second episode of the uh, new series of the Drunken Brainwave, the 0121. Um, uh, we will have another guest next week. I need Jamie to like jump in now and tell us who the guest is next week, actually. Here he is. Oh, he's on mute. Silly sausage. <laughs> uh, hopefully, Kirsty Smith. Um, and uh, do you want to give a bit more of a roundup of who Kirsty Smith might be? <laughs> Kirsty Smith is the founder of Cape Social, uh, like a social media SEO agency in Birmingham. Hey, I'm happy, to, look- come, happy to come and debate. You know, if you want to ruin, <laughs> if you want to ruin that episode, absolutely <laughs> happy to be proven wrong. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, love it. Um, yeah, please subscribe. Jump over to the YouTube channel as well, where you can watch this episode and uh, many more. Um, and we will see you on the flip side next week, um, same time as usual. Uh, Tally ho! Thanks very much, Chris. Cheers. Thanks both. See you later. Bye. Uh, so that was the uh, second episode of the O One Two One, a belter that could have gone on for a couple of hours. I reckon we've we've uh, we've been debating. Um, Elon Musk tapping our brains up, Chris being well up for it as well, which I was um, quite surprised at, uh, as long as it's good tech. Um, and his his, uh, his hatred for social media, it was uh, a very good episode. I think what the School of Code are doing and what Chris is doing is um, so commendable. It's, you know, changing people's lives, putting them into an industry they really never have the opportunity to go into. Um, and from all walks of life, you know, it's available for everyone. So I'd urge anyone, you know, they do cohorts. Um, uh, I think it's every sort of four to five months is how they operate. Um, but go to the School of Code um, website based in Birmingham. Um, they have thousands of people apply for the cohorts of courses they do. But they take people through that four-month intensive um, boot camp. And at the end of it, and I've seen people pitch as well. This is no bullshit. Um, I've seen teams of people pitch full products that they've built talking through the amount of research they've done with it why things are in certain places what the product is what problem it's solving and then these people go and get jobs in tech uh, in the Birmingham area and uh, and beyond and I think 
what an amazing thing to be able to do is to take generations that missed the opportunity to code and and shove them straight back into that um you know amazing um and i can't wait for electric house to sort of uh partner up with school of code and, and take that further but um check out what they're doing if you like the episode please um please leave a review uh, and uh, get this episode downloaded stick it in your log holes uh next week we've got kirsty smith looking forward to that one uh please tune in again next week for episode three of the second series of the drunk of brainwave the 0121 uh catch you all soon latest